Adam Wade is a best-selling author, comedian, and winner of 20 slams at the Moth. His journey began when he declared as a film major in college despite a lukewarm reception from his family. After graduating, he moved to New York to pursue his dream of making it in the business. By day, Adam worked as a production assistant and later as a producer. By night, he continually honed his craft and evolved his relationship with fear. If you'd like to learn how today's guest finally overcame his stage fright to become a best-selling, award-winning storyteller, be sure to listen to today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a personal life coach? Coaching works best when you're invested in your journey. Even so, you may have wished you had a support team in place to help you through your ruts and to celebrate your successes alongside you. If only you could afford it. That's why I'm offering an incredible deal right now for supporters of this show. For you. I've used coaching services in the past, and I know what it's like to be witnessed to have my brilliance reflected back to me when I can't see past my obstacles or my doubts. I know what it's like to feel heard and valued by someone who's been there right where I am now, and to have permission to be imperfect and to be powerful. In exchange for your support on Patreon, you'll receive monthly one-on-one -on -one sessions with yours truly. I'm a certified master life coach, and I've worked with best-selling authors, award-winning filmmakers, and everything in between. Wherever you're at on your unique journey, no matter the milestone, your goals, or experiences, I'm here to help. And now we can help each other. Support the podcast right now by joining the Storyteller Mentorship Club. Get the coaching support you need and be a part of my journey as a fearless storyteller. It's a win-win for everyone. Visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Freckleton today. That's E-T-H-A-N-F-R-E-C-K-L-E-T-O-N. You'll also find a link on the podcast page at ethanfreckleton.com. And now, on with today's show. Adam Wade, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me, Ethan. Hey, it's my really pleasure. Appreciate. My pleasure. Um, you're here because uh, former uh, previous guest Mike Sachs recommended yeah. um, you to me as somebody might be interesting, and I did a little legwork, and I thought you're definitely you have an interesting story to tell. Although that's, I'll let you tell listeners about yourself in your own words, like whatever you want to share. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm originally from the, the state of New Hampshire, and I, I grew up there the first 22 years of my life, and I, I moved to New York in um, 1998, um, and I was just very excited just to come. It was my dream uh, to, to come to New York, uh, the mm. big city, 
And uh, yeah, I've been the past you know twenty two years. I've been doing comedy, and I started doing a, a lot of musical comedy, and then it, it turned into more like storytelling. And I found the moth. And I started doing a lot of moth shows, uh, moth story slams, mm. and, uh, and then just starting. You know, that became a, a scene of its own, much like like a stand up comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of storytelling shows around New York about 10, 15 years ago. And uh, then from there, I uh, started teaching a storytelling class uh, at an improv theater, the Magnet Theater mm. uh, here in here in New York. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that now for like 11 years. Uh, prior to COVID, you know, I put out a couple comedy albums, storytelling mm-hmm. comedy albums. And last year was pretty much my big year, even with COVID and everything, uh, uh, January of last year, I I, uh, I work with Audible on an Audible original called uh, "You Ought to Know Adam Wade." So mm-hmm. that was, uh, and that's you know, it's probably the biggest thing I've done, and um, you know, is a bestseller for them. Uh, still doing really well even after a year, so uh, I'm still getting a lot of good reviews, and uh, it's really touched a lot of people. So I'm fortunate, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned that it touched a lot of people, and it sounds like that's important to you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the human element. Um, I mean, most of my stuff is optimistic and, and humorous, but uh, it's more the, the humor comes from moments as opposed to like joke jokes, you know. So, and, mm. um, so yeah, grounded in truth, uh, kind of thing. Ground, yeah, very much grounded in truth. Very much first person narrative uh, stories for me, and uh, and true tales. Uh, and from there, just. Uh, yeah, trying to be as as uh, personal as possible, Ethan, but also being uh, being universal. How can how can how can you fit both? You know. Yeah. And, uh, how, how do you how to and to connect to connect to people? Yeah. So, <laughs> so why storytelling in general? I mean, it sounds like you had a creative bent, and maybe I can't assume why you came to New York, but perhaps it's because there's a lot going on. Yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, I went to a small school, Keene State College in Keene, New Hampshire, and I had a radio show. And I think that's, you know, for four years, that was at least, especially like the first two years, um, you know, playing songs. And in between the songs, I tell little stories. It's very Gene Shepard-esque, you know, like a Christmas story. Mm. Um, He's very, very well known here in New Jersey, New York. Uh, A a radio DJ used to play a lot of a lot of kind of crazy music and then uh, like instrumental and then tell stories. And uh, that had like a huge effect on me. Oh, that sounds that really type. fun. Yeah. 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 And, and that type of material. So, I mean, with my radio show, I mean, each week it was once a week and uh, usually on Mondays and I would play, uh, play songs and, and in between just, you know, whether it's just like going to the dining hall and, and what was for, you know, and talking to the guys, you know, I'm not a big guy, I'm not a muscular guy talking like to the guys, interviewing guys from the rugby team and yeah it was all different types of uh stuff but it was fun i mean i it was always like the highlight of my week mm. uh, that's a good yeah. feel that's a good feeling isn't it it really was and 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 even like it was the one of the reasons why i went there was they had a radio antenna and i like you know growing up you know i had one of those old stereos with two cassette tapes and the cd player yeah yeah, yeah i had one you too know, you know, you pretend you're, I, I'd always, you know, I was kind of a simple kid, easy to um, entertain himself. And, you know, I mean, I, I play, you know, I pretend I was a DJ, you know, all the time. And, and 
Um, so this was like the real thing. And there was a radio antenna. It was, it was only like a 15-mile radius. But, and there was a small, you know, very small rural town. Uh, I went to college. But you didn't know who was listening, and and for me it was like you know I had four compliments a day. I would go to the go to the dining hall, and there was two elderly ladies that worked in the sandwich line. They would compliment me. There'd be a guy at the pizza parlor, a guy at the gas station. So yeah. like each week, um, I, I would get attention. So it was it was reaching a variety of people from different ages, and uh, you know, if, not ego, but it was it was nice. You know, what I mean, it, yeah, it, it was like a seed there. You know? Yeah, like you're kind of getting something meeting an emotional need and and having some sort of reciprocation for what you're doing it sounds like um yeah and you mentioned it's the highlight of your week when you're in college like what what were you doing in college like were you going to school for something related to performing arts or something um, unrelated yeah at the beginning ethan it was uh you know my whole family are uh public school teachers and uh-huh. i was in and, and keen state is like a really like a really good school for uh you know education um you know primary secondary and uh, i was gonna i, I planned k through 12 you know I'd get a degree then student teach and then become a public school teacher and um by like the end of my sophomore year, I was taking film classes and I was like on the film society that they had on campus, mm-hmm. which ran like the campus movie theater. And yeah, I was always really interested in movies and film. And I started, uh, you know, I started taking like film classes and film production classes. And I, I just really, so I, then it was going to be, I was going to be a film minor. And then by like junior year, I'm like, nah, like you had to declare the major i'm like i'm gonna be a film major <laughs> and i just dropped the and the education classes were fine um and i i just but it, it wasn't uh yeah i mean my heart wasn't into it there's a paul newman quote and it was in one of my film books um when i was taking the film classes and he's like i went to college to find out what i didn't want to do uh, that's fair it's an expensive yeah. way <laughs> but yeah. absolutely absolutely well thank thankfully i mean i i i, I learned earlier so i was able to you know, know and, and take the film classes and the communication classes. Yeah. How did your parents feel about your switch? Uh, not, not, not great at, at first. Um, not great at first, but I think eventually they kind of came around to it. Um, it was a tough thing, Ethan. I've never been like a rebel or uh, rebellious. And uh, uh, they were always extremely, extremely supportive, especially in my artistic endeavors. I mean, I, I played a bunch of instruments and uh you know they would take me to plays and shows and stuff so uh yeah um but uh yeah i i think part of it was like you know i'm gonna move to new york and and you know i mean it was said and and i think they felt you know let him get it out of his system and he'll come back and you know this is just kind of like a phase like like the saxophone was a phase and the guitar was you know like that kind of thing um but i kind of knew i knew it was different i knew Mm -hmm. it was different yeah so you, you kind of uh, i mean i relate to this because i i remember i was you know i did my first couple of years at a community college and thought that i wanted to work the corporate programmer job and i started working uh contracts in the summer to pay for my college you know when i transferred to the big school and i realized in the first three months of working the dream job on contract that it kind of sucked. Yeah. And I, I very clearly remember that 
crisis of what the heck am I going to do? And did you like really kind of dig in? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my about it. Yeah. My brother's four years older and yeah. uh, my sophomore year in, in college, he, he graduated from the university of New Hampshire and he came an extra year. He needed an extra year to get his teacher certification. Yeah. And um, so it was, it was unbelievable for me because it's like four year difference. Like I never got to go to high school with my brother. I hadn't been in school with my brother since like third grade. So it was really, uh, I mean, I got a year and I'm very close with him. So it was like a year with him and, uh, and, be, and being around him. He would do the news on my radio show. Um, mm. And it was, it was just really fun. But like he was taking these education classes and I could tell he wasn't enjoying them as, as much as I think he would have liked to. And I mean, he, and he's been teaching since, so it's not, you know, yeah. I think he, but I, like, I was like, okay, if he's struggling with this and, and the, the, the the education classes I'm taking now, I'm not enjoying by I me mean, like the film classes, you know, and it was part of the degree there, which was really good at Keno. It was, you know, the, it was a communications degree with a specialty in, in, in uh, film production. So mm-hmm. taking a lot of the, you know, uh, was it just like theater arts classes where it's like the, you know, the history of theater and the history of art and, just these these classes, I I just really really enjoyed them. And the film classes, you know, is, I mean, for me it was like okay. And going back to like what you said about paying for your edge, but I mean, you know, you're watching movies and writing about movies and like you know the philosophy and theories of film. I just mm-hmm. found that like you know, I mean, never watched a movie the same again. You know, it just uh, it was it was it was a really and I don't know how the film program has evolved now at that school, but at the time it was both in production and theory, it was just really, really strong. And, yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you and I, I think are of an age, I'm 43. And, okay, yeah. and, you know, we grew up during a time when there was kind of a monoculture, at least in terms of what we were consuming, right. And ideas mm, and totally. And I think, you know, there was a sense that, there weren't opportunities for, for most people and that you were likely embracing a lifetime of struggle if you went into the arts. Oh, totally. Totally. It was, it was, it was going to be a struggle. It was going to be a struggle. And, um, and yet you were committing to that anyways, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I have a niece now that's like 16 and I don't know if, if, like it, it it goes back to like I don't know if 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 she told me if she were to tell me like I want to kind of follow your footsteps and do this I I don't know if I would be as as encouraging <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean yeah, yeah. it's just like you know no like um yeah I I don't I have no regrets I have none uh, but I mean it's it's not been I don't think too many people would 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 want this lifestyle. You know yeah. I mean? So I, I mean, I can understand the, you know, the corporate job or, you know, doing that because you don't have a lot of, you, you don't have a lot of, um, you know, the money's coming in, you have your full, you have your, you have your health benefits, you have your 401k. Um, and that's a nice life and you can do, you can have it as a hobby, you know, but, but for yeah. me, it, it, I didn't want it as a hobby. You know, I, I, I didn't, you know, so it's the way I, my clock ticks or whatever. Yeah. And I think they're both, valid either way you look at it absolutely but, but probably what's not valid is turning your back on what you know know is your primary yeah. interest 
You know, there was, Ethan, there was, a, I used to go to a local bar. I tell this story all the time. I mean, I, went, I used to go to a local bar, you know, I'm 45, so 15 years ago in my, like, late 30s, uh, late 20s, early 30s. And there was a guy there, and he was a writer. And I used to love, you know, it was a local bar. It was like Cheers, where you'd go in every night, and you'd see the same people. And it was just, it was just a wonderful, you know, I had just moved to Hoboken. I, I met so many nice people at this bar. And there was this writer. So, you you know, you'd be talking to different people, but there'd be like a half hour on a Friday night or a Saturday night. I talked to him about movies or about writing. And I mean, the guy was talented and he had gone to like a really good school. I think he went to Middlebury. He was just, just a great, you know, and, and I was like, you know, and I was, he was always very encouraging of me. And if I had shows in Hoboken, he'd come and I was always very, and he married, you know, it was like one of the, he married the prettiest girl at that bar he met, you know, and, I mean, I if if she wanted to marry me, I I, I would would have been very happy. Uh-huh. But it was like their last night; they were going to be moving to the suburbs, and um, you know they had just gotten married. And he was a lawyer; he was a corporate lawyer. And um, and his whole a lot of our conversations were: should he leave this job? And become a writer, and and you know, and I think maybe he looked up to me, which which was nice. Mm. You know, you're doing it. You know, I'm I'm talking about it. You're doing it. And that last night, I said to him, I'm like, uh, it was like the, my parting words to him, and I just said, listen, don't forget you're a writer. You know, mm. and make sure you're writing. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and make sure you follow these dreams. And she heard me, and she gave me the meanest look ever. And she <laughs> said, uh, and and she snapped, and she said, um, he can write on uh, he can write on the train when he's commuting into the city and his face looked like i mean yeah you got the girl you got yeah. the girl you know, and you're you going the to the suburbs to get that going to the suburbs yep. yep yep yeah so it was it was just you know but again it, it, but it, it probably has a, a beautiful family beautiful life and stuff like that but at that moment i and you know here i am i'm living in the basement apartment at the time I'm getting flooded every time it sprinkles out you know and mm-hmm. and i'm and here's this guy, a wealthy lawyer corporate lawyer marries the prettiest girl in the bar and he's moving to probably a huge house in the suburbs yeah. and i would not i would not change places with him and i yeah. still and i still feel that all these years later i mean i'm i mean i sleep good i sleep good Oh, that's I got a, a lot of times I'm sleeping alone. But yeah, so not either you mean that like you don't have to, you know, share the bed and you have good ergonomic situation or you don't regret your choices. One of the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly no, both. Yeah. I fought my fights and, you know, I live my dreams. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so you, 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 you declare your major, you do that. And I assume you still have the fire for it after you get done with college. Yeah, yeah, almost even more so. And, and I found out I could get housing at NYU for um, for ten weeks. Mm. And uh, and you know, I mean, I covered this in like the in the Audible original. Uh, you ought to know how to read it. But I, I that was finding out that I could get ten weeks in New York mm. in a in a dorm. You know, I mean, it was so. You, no, and I mean that, and my parents were enthusiastic about it because it's like, okay, go ten weeks, and you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, uh, but <laughs> ten my weeks. mind was, yeah. <laughs> and and it's crazy because even after like two weeks, Ethan, I'm like, it's make or break here. What have I done? You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. It was like, you know, it, 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 I put a lot of 
I think as far as pressure, I think I had more pressure on me those 10 weeks than I've had in my life. You know what I mean? And, yeah, uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, how have your expectations about, quote unquote, making it shifted from when you were spending 10 weeks at NYU in a dorm trying to make it to I've been here 20 years? I mean, I, I think success and, and you know, it's it's relative to who's saying what success is. You know, mm. I, I was like an NBC page at um, at 30 Rock in like 1999 to 2000. That was my first job in like showbiz. And, mm. you know, it was one of those things where you see someone like Jimmy Fallon who's around your age and he's doing well and... Uh, mm. You know, you, you, it's tough not to compare your life and your success with someone that's your age. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, so that was, I, I think I, I think one thing I did was you know, and I don't think it was like a healthy thing is you you know you're comparing what you know other people your age are doing, other people that you work with are doing, and um, I, if I if I could tell myself go back and say like just don't don't think about that because it all kind of it all kind of evens off and all, and it's just, um, uh, you just keep putting the work in and breaks are going to happen. They just might not be the breaks you thought they were going to be. Yeah. When people would say to me, it's like, what's your five year goal? It's just, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I I can do a list of goals maybe per year and see if I can do these, but, but it's like five years for this. I mean, you know, again, if you're working in a corporation or something, I can see that, but this, there's just so many balls moving and, you know, you're, you just don't know. So it's, um, you know, just for me, I think a lot of like in my performing and my writing, it was always, um, are you getting better? I think mm. that was like a question more than goals. Like, are you getting better? And then like, you know, relative successes, it was like, are you, you know, if, if you have an opportunity, you know, there was like comedy dynamics. Uh, it was like new wave entertainment offered to put out my first album. And it was like, you know, I was going to put out, you know, this was like my first chance of having something that wasn't, you know, that was like real tangible. It was going to go out there. Yeah. Um, and it was the best thing I, I, I had done up to that point. So, it, it, you know, it was like those, those type of goals, if that's success, um, you know, I mean, even the Audible project, I mean, I worked on it for like two years and uh, just like nonstop. And, mm. you know, whether I mean, mainly every live show I was doing was workshopping the material for that project. And, mm. and so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're in New York. It's going to take longer than 10 weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. Um, like, when do you become aware of like how this career is actually going to work for you or like, like how the business works or the craft? Like what's like, when do the key insights start coming in? They come in quicker than you think. And, and it's just like where, you know, I, I got a job at a restaurant in Times Square, which was, was huge because money's starting to come in. Um, then like the second goal right after that was, um, you know, you got to find permanent housing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, objective accomplished. And, um, and then from there, you know, I, fortunately the restaurant, they, they, they were really, really nice. I mean, most of them, and they, they took care of me and they helped me. And, and this was 99, 98. 
And, uh, you know, it was pre-Google and Yahoo, I think, to an extent. And, I mean, I would just write notes and write down whatever everything anybody said. So I would know, you know, and I would, like, almost, like, study that book. And yeah. uh, I found housing in New Jersey. Um, I, you know, the waiters helped me get housing. So, so once I had that, I mean, that was, you know, I'm here to stay for at least a year. So now I have, like, another year. And, and I'm doing a lot of open mics and comedy shows and variety shows in the village. Uh, and, and those are going fine. I mean, the, it was musical comedy. It wasn't even parodies, Ethan. It was just more mm -hmm. uh, me kind of telling a story about something and then playing a song to it, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was connecting to audiences, but it wasn't, I wasn't really getting better. You know, it was, mm. it was one of those things. And, and I, I think I kind of stayed stagnant for about four or four and a half years. I just, mm -hmm. I just wasn't getting, I mean, you know, it, it was limited. It was very limited. The guitar was very limiting to me. Yeah. Um, and um, trying to, you know, during the day working at the restaurant, trying to get a job, um, uh, you know, a bunch of the page, uh, a bunch of the waiters had told me, you know, like Regis Feldman had been an NBC page and I should try to get a job as a page. So I went I got information on that and I started uh, applying for that. So that was another step and just um, the waiting life. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever waited tables, but like in a Times Square restaurant, I mean, I'm not at physically. It, it was, it was, it was the, it was very, very difficult. It was very, yeah. very difficult. You must have been really hungry and wanted it because I know, like, I washed out of that business uh, in two weeks. At, yeah. a, at a suburban Denny's, so I don't think I would yeah. cut the hustle in New York. Anyway, it was it was not easy. Um, yeah, I just and I wasn't good. I, I try. I think I got better, but I mean, I, I uh, it came to a point where if anything broke in the restaurant, they'd yell my name. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even if that wasn't me breaking it. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I, I just I, I just kept at it. I mean, I, I, the determination factor was off the charts, especially those first couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, and um, yeah, and then getting into that page program, it, it 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 started. You know, that was like a one year program, and then from there, I'd say like the next five or six years was just uh, production assistant work. I mean, I was a, a production assistant for like. I, I, I about five or six different, you know, Conan O'Brien. I used to drive the van for them. Tough crowd, mm -hmm. Colin Quinn. I drove the van for them. Uh, right, was the passenger in the van. I didn't drive in that show. Um, and mm -hmm. it was just, you know, just a lot of, uh, you know, the TV upfronts before a season that they have. Like, uh, you know, they. I don't even know if they do it as much like they did back then, but you know, they invite all the uh, advertisers and stuff like that and, and show like what shows they were going to play for the next year. I worked all those things mm. for like NBC. Mm -hmm. um, and then like NBC sports, uh, CBS sports, I've gotten a lot of people coffee over the years. So, and uh, especially those, those first couple of years and yeah, just, uh, I, I guess it's good because if I ever did a TV show or whatever, I, I, I just know to talk to everybody and know everybody's name. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Just one thing looking back how, you know, sometimes it's the people Ethan, you think are going to make it, make it. But a lot of times it's just, it's, it's just like that nice person. And all of a sudden, um, I, I, I don't know. They, they just, yeah. So, so, you, so you you had some people you worked with like that? 
Yeah, they, they, you know, they're just, all of a sudden, like they, you know, you know, you'd say, "Wow, this person's got their crap together; they're going to do fine." And then all of a sudden, they're 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 moving back home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone that's just not, you know, there's a there's a, a really nice uh, kid that was in the NBC Page program. And when you're a page, you have to go for assignments. So um, basically, it's like a glorified internship. So, but you like each show, like the cone. I was I was like the, the almost like Kenneth on Thirty Rock. So like that particular show. Like Conan, uh, when Conan, uh, late night with Conan O'Brien was at, at 30 Rock before he moved to Jay Leno's spot, um, every three months they'd have like a new page and you'd be the page on the floor like Kenneth and you'd pretty much be the glue that holds everything together. I mean, you'd mm-hmm. have to, and so I got that position, which was great, but there was a, there was a, there was a kid in the program that went for like every assignment. I mean, he, he had like a comedy bit almost like, and he did a really deadpan, but like you'd throw out all the assignments and you just say went for it didn't get it went for it didn't get it went for it didn't get it twice and it was just like and the poor guy just couldn't get an assignment and then he ended up like a year later he two years later he's right for for letterman so it's oh just like goodness, wow yeah. like you know so it's just like okay uh yeah i, I don't know but yeah it, it just you just don't know you have no clue like who's gonna move up who's gonna move down and sometimes it's like mer- like um you know, the 30, going back to 30 Rock, I, I was a PA on uh, Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. And uh, the guy that was like the assistant to the assistant to the casting person um, was uh, Lonnie Ross, who was like a great guy. And, you know, uh, we'd go to shows together and we'd eat together once at the show. And um, I don't know, through connections, he got an audition for 30 Rock and he got a part. He, you know, he was like the Jimmy Fallon character on 30 Rock. So it's just hmm. like, I mean, he went from competing with me on on, on off weeks of Tough Crowd and Colin Quinn to driving the van at Conan O'Brien to hmm. being on 30 Rock. So it just, you know, it just, um, but like when, you, when you'd see that happen, there was, I, I got to admit, like there was no jealousy. It was more, all right, if, if it can happen to Lonnie, I mean, there's a chance here, you know, there's yeah. a chance for me too. Yeah. And you were happy. I mean, it was like celebratory. You were like, I was genuinely like emotionally like proud and happy, you know, for him. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the premise of the dystopian young adult things where there's, you know, they hold annual lotteries and competitions to to give the people hope. But it sounds like, you know, it was a real thing and, and a healthy environment from that perspective um so what what happened next like what was the next shift um you know that show got canceled uh tough crowd when i was working there and that was about 15 years ago 16 years ago Hmm. um and i got a double hernia i got a double hernia and uh and it was i was moving sets on a like a food network show that was like a game show and i'm moving stuff and I'm, again, I'm just not a really big guy, and I, we had we were at a lumber place, so we're walking. To, we had to walk like ten blocks with this wood that was like, and I, I ended up getting a hernia. Mm. I, I I had to leave that job, and I got a double hernia surgery, which was extremely painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a basement apartment, which was good because I didn't have to walk stairs. Uh, and then I just said to myself, like, you can't do, you can't do this type of work anymore. 
I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, you may be in accounting on a TV show or something, but you can't do like your, your body just can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I continue, I got a job, uh, and it became more, um, again, people leaving back and forth. I, I got a job at NBC sports where I was getting coffee for people for about four or five years. Mm. And then I became, you know, just on weekends, this was Saturday and Sundays for like 70 bucks a day. And then they moved me to, um, what is it? Uh, scripts. I became like the script coordinator for, you know, so basically it, it's those shows you, if you're watching a TV show at like five of six or something, uh, like on weekends, they would do like a sports beat, like, you know, so they'd have like, uh, you know, some sportscaster uh, in the mm-hmm. studio, just giving a couple scores and then throwing it to the six o'clock news. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I had that, which was, was great. And then from there, um, something about, working on TV shows, Ethan, that I love more than anything, especially when it's like a studio shows is the crew and the people, um, you know, it just, it's just a wonderful, it was always like, a, I mean, I was very fortunate, just a, a lot of wonderful people, just nice and caring. Mm. And a lot of times the people that say even like, for me, my experience, like I'm going to help you, you know, I'm going to get you this or something. Like it's, it's literally 0%. But if, if, if someone says, you know, I'm going to look out for you. If something comes up, I'll definitely, you know, I can't make any promises whatsoever, but if something comes up, you know, you know, we'll see what we can do. And yeah. that that's like 90% for me, you know, yeah. and uh, there was a, a gentleman that worked uh, on weekends with me that was uh, the lighting director for those studio shows. And his wife was working on an ESPN show and they got me a job as a producer on an ESPN show, uh, it was actually the lowest rated uh, show I think at that time ever on ESPN. It was on ESPN <laughs> Classic, but uh-huh. but it was but it was but it was I, I was a producer on it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was and it was fun. It was like a footage uh, show, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the zero point zero rating whatever was nothing. Uh, we worked so hard on that show and the, and the people that were, that were like our bosses and stuff were just such great people and just creative people. But, mm. um, I, I don't know what, I mean, for some reason they put our show against, cause it was on ESPN classic against, um, sports center. So it's like, okay, how is this going to succeed? If you put it against the most popular show on your network, Yeah, it's not sports. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, yeah. It was just sad because it was it was and it was like a really uh the concept of the show is called Classic Now. And it was just like if it was like the Super Bowl, it was a show about old Super Bowls or the whole week was about old and it, but it was it was just a nice, I mean, again, as a storyteller, it was just a connection to the past, the current with a connection to the past. And it was uh, really, really nice. And and, and I thought, you know, uh, my job was to get all the footage for these packages. So if they interviewed you know, you know, from Super Bowl 20, the Patriots versus the Bears, we'd find some of that, you know, you know, the Super Bowl shuffle. And, you know, we do all these type of segments. And it was just a real creative show, but it just didn't find an audience. Yeah. yeah. But it was great. It was great not to have to get people coffee. Uh, but when people got me coffee, I was thanking them. But mostly, most of the time, I still got my own coffee. Mm. So, was- so during this time period, right, there's a lot of time elapsing and, and, and you're grinding inside the business, you know, for the next opportunities. What's going on with, you know, when you're, when you're not at the day job, um, as far as your craft and your direction and 
and maybe your voice. I'm like, what are you lean, leaning into at that point? Well, fortunately, I found the moth in between there. So I was mm. doing these story slams, and at the time, they were once a month. So, you know, they'd give you a theme, and you got to work on something that was, you know, four to five minutes long and uh, a story. And, you know, at, at those, they picked 10 names out of the hat. So sometimes if there was like 13, 14 names in the hat, 15 names in the hat, mm. there was a chance you might not get picked and you'd have to wait till the next month. Mm. Um, I was fortunate, like that job, the ESPN job, I was working probably 70 to 80 hours a week, but that was my one time that I could get out early. You know, mm. they, they were always very good about that. So I, I, I would, you know, j- jump in a cab. Um, and, and we, that show was in, um, hell's kitchen. We were shooting it like in hell's kitchen. I grabbed, mm-hmm. get, get in a cab, get down to like, uh, uh, was it the new Eureka cafe or the bitter end and I'd put my name in the hat and be ready to go. And, mm. uh, so, I, I mean, maybe I was doing maybe one or two shows a month at that time for that year. Um, but creatively, it was, you know, and there was there was a couple of girls that worked at the show that were writers and stuff like that. So I was always doing stuff and having people read it and, and, and go over it with me and stuff. Uh, and, the, you yeah. know, there was no more guitar anymore. It was just, it was just mainly those, like, storytelling shows. Or once in a while, I'd get booked on a comedy show on the weekend or something. Yeah. And, uh, so... Why'd you, ditch the, why'd you ditch the guitar? It was awful. I mean, it was awful. It just, <laughs> and again, it, it came to the point where, I mean, it, it, went, it, it went about four or five years and it just wasn't getting any better. Um, and uh, and it was a big move. It was a big move to get rid of it because it was like almost it'd become a shield. You know, but, uh, yeah. Well, talk more about that because the shield aspect, because the moth strikes me as what you're doing on the moth strikes me as the opposite of shielded right or guarded so like what's that about well you know the radio show was very easy to do and i loved it because i'm in a like right now i mean you know i'm I'm in a room with a microphone talking and Mm -hmm. and just i find it very very easy and and then um started going to uh, poetry open mics on campus and I, I saw things going on. It was just like, okay, there's a lot of people here and they're loving this stuff and the stuff's so-so, you know what I mean? You know, the, everybody performances, the material, so-so. So I'm like, I gotta, if, if, but the difference is it might be so-so, but they're getting up and doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I found a, you know, I got a guitar, cheap guitar and, uh, the act was pretty much me telling a short story, me playing. So it was almost like the radio, you know, the radio mm-hmm. I would set up the song and then and, and, and play. So it was the same type of thing. And uh, I, I didn't even just have a guitar for a shield back then. It was, I had a guitar um, and then I bring in a movie uh, music stand. I put mm-hmm. a music stand on the stage and I put, you know, my notes or whatever, right in front. And I would never, hardly ever look look at the audience maybe mm-hmm. in between songs a little bit but um and i was and i was very comfortable doing that all you know and I, I had that um and it got to a point um in college where i even jumped off the stage and did you know the talent shows and uh they had but but it would always go back to being behind the the guitar and the music stand when i got to new york it was no longer a music stand. I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Um, but I just wouldn't look at the audience. I just <laughs> looked down. They'd look down, and 
did not want to make any eye contact whatsoever. And mm. gradually, uh, do you remember why not? Yeah, I was, I was, I, I didn't want. Which is it, it kind of goes against everything because now it's like I want to make contact. I want to have contact with the audience. I was afraid to make con- too much contact with the audience in case I'd see, you know, and there's always the people with their arms crossed or whatever, and mm-hmm. it would just kill me. It would just kill me. It just, mm. There was like a couple of shows we would do. There was this guy that always, you know, he would go every month and uh, not to the moth, but there were just other like open mics and shows I would do. He was with a, a woman and he was like an older guy and always just sat right up front with his arms crossed. It was mm-hmm. like the worst. So, mm. um, um, but after I just, I, I you know, um, so that, re- that seeing somebody like kind of reject you or tune out or yeah, not if you're like a, if you're like a Macy's balloon, I would just suck all the, all the air out of it. So, you know, and I just, and sometimes I like it, it came to that point. And then after a while, it started getting a little louder and a little more. I mean, I'm pretty kind and my, my stage persona is me. It's just not, but I kind of get a little like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm like yelling a little. And it just, it was weird, but it was, it was almost like trying to defend myself to that person. Mm. And, um, mm. That was like a big obstacle that I had to deal with for a long time. And what changed was, you know, doing the moth without that, I became, without the guitar, I became a caricature of myself, Mm. like a real heightened character, because that became kind of like my shield. So it's Mm. like, if I'm kind of a character and then they judge me bad, but that started going well. Um, but I still had that Achilles heel when I'd see that person like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'd be two, sometimes it'd be three. What changed it was one night and there was a guy who was just a jerk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, and at, after storytelling shows, it's not like like rock shows. People aren't coming up to you after the shows of a storytelling, like hardly ever. And this guy came right up to me. I'm like, what does this guy want? And he's like, I really enjoyed your story tonight. And I snapped at him, Ethan. I'm like, you could have showed it. No. <laughs> and he's like, what? I go, you could have showed it. You had your arms crossed. You looked like you were pissed off. You could. He goes, Adam, that's, he goes, and he, he got very apologetic. He's like, that's just kind of like my look. I'm stupid. Or, you know, he goes, I'm a, he goes, he goes, but I really enjoyed it. I go, smile, you know. But, like, after that whole thing, and he ended yeah. up becoming a friend of mine, you know, but, like, after that night, it was like, okay, like, you're this is all you this is all in your head this yeah. is all in your head so you yeah. don't know what they're thinking you have no idea what they're thinking so it's just so that helps so now when i when you know because more often than not now it's like i'm you know when i'm on stage like i want the lights up you know when they try to do the lighting where it's got like the whole idea I'm like bring the house lights up i want to see them i want to mm-hmm. see them um yeah. and i think that moment that instance helped help huge it was huge yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the listening look, the intense yeah. listening look. I, I I I'm familiar. I used to play a lot of live music and used to think I was sucking. And yeah, those would be the people who talk to me afterwards, the ones that I thought were bored. You know, you know what really scared me too was um, doing a lot of comedy shows first when I moved here. You know. And you, you hear other people going and there's laughs, but you know, and that's kind of like their, the formula, you know, there's going to be a laugh every 20 seconds. or there's going to be a laugh every third. 
And uh, when I was doing the moth, I mean, I would talk for like a minute, a minute and a half, and it would be deafening silence. And I'd be like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. That would kill me, too. And then one time someone just said, and like, these are things like I'm I'm not brilliant, but, you know, you you think you're smart enough that you'd be able to figure it out yourself. And like a guy came up to me after one show, he's like, no, he's like, when they're quiet at him, they're listening. That's a good thing. Like, yeah. th- that means you're in control. You're not, you're not at your weakest, most vulnerable, but you're, you're in control. Like they're, they're pay. If you can, if, you know, and, and this was probably 15 years ago, but it's like, if, if you can be in New York city in like a venue, like the new Eureka cafe or the bitter end where there's like 200 people mm. and it's deafening silence. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. You know? mm. That recalibrates um, everything, though, if you think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, like, were you able to own that and embrace that and embrace yeah, the silence? Because that seems, you know, that's yeah, you know, well, tough. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I, like, it's just kind of the way you see it. You gradually see it, and then you have to remind yourself, this is why it's quiet. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's a process more than an event, but it's like, okay, no, they're quiet now. And you know, your immediate reaction, oh, Jesus, oh no. They're like, oh no, wait, remind yourself, hey, no, they're listening. It's good. It's good. Mm. So you keep going. So it's just, uh, because then, you know, then, like, then emotionally, you could take them wherever you want. You know what I mean? You really can. You really can. Yeah. And, And that's a huge difference between, like, say, being a DJ or, say, performing you know, maybe an album without an mm-hmm. audience, right? You don't have that feedback loop. And, and no, and, and some of us, I mean, like me, like I just live on that. I mean, yeah. I, I know I've performed enough where it, it's just like a man, it's, it is like the, um, spinal tap, go to 11 or go to 13 or whatever. Like it, it just, when you when and it can be a small audience it doesn't even have to be a big audience but if there's like 15 to 20 people and they're and they're and they're with you like mm-hmm. every step of the way they're having a good night you're having a good night and it yeah. just goes back and forth back and forth back and forth yeah just remember like this is the, you know and the high after that is like i'm not gonna sleep for i'm not gonna sleep that night for me yeah. you know it's like i'm like this is you know and you've got to, and what I've learned over the years is you've got to, oh, no, you can't go like, oh, no, that, that's good. No, no, no. You take it in, take it in, take it in, because, and, and enjoy the moment, enjoy mm. every bit of it, and, and reflect on it right after the show. Mm. Don't put the headphones on. Reflect on how nice of a night it was, mm. because you know what? It might be a couple months, it might be a year before something like that happens again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's... You, really important. It sounds like you got hooked on this and like <laughs> there's these, I guess what we call storytelling slams and you've been a part of several and, <laughs> and apparently they're competitions. Yeah. I mean, they're competitions and, and, it, and it's great. I mean, I'm fortunate. I've won 20 of them, uh, which is nice, but more important, it's the people doing them, and it's it just the whole night. I mean, yeah. it, it's a huge compliment to the moth, but it attracts really, really good people. I mean, mm. the friendships I've made, you know, one of my biggest worries when I moved here was that I, I you know, 
and I think I was scared by my family because they were worried about me. Am I going to meet nice people? You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, the storytelling community, not a lot of jerks in the storytelling community, a lot of, yeah. a lot of really good people. And I mean, the, 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 my closest friends, I mean, we had Hurricane Sandy. Well, I think it was like eight years ago here. And, you know, I think like the first, I'd say like seven out of the first phone, 10 phone calls I made were people that I had met through storytelling. And, mm. and, and through the mall, like just say hey, how you doing or how I'm doing, like you know, and, and so or, or through teaching, and so it's it's been like, yeah, the quality of people is just elevated. Mm. Yeah, so having tried to, it sounds like it's been a, a perk. Um, yeah. So you in the, in the last while, little while you've done you mentioned the audio audible original and some audio work before that and so in terms of that feedback loop like how how like how is that working for you um like with the, with the audible project and i'll just give it a plug because I, I again when it, it's so it's just, if you go to audible.com slash adam wade um, mm. it's, it's right there and they did a great job uh, marketing it, um, and uh, the key was they call it. You know, we called the project. You know, you ought to know Adam Wade, and you know, a lot of the comments in the, you know, on Audible and on Amazon. I mean, they put like, "Now I'm glad I now I know him," or uh, "I had no clue who this person was." So, mm. uh, working so hard in New York City. And on those nights where we just talked about that were like like the greatest nights ever for a room of 15. It's mm. almost like, wow, is like anybody else ever going to hear this stuff? Or is anybody else like, I know I have something special here and I have something special to offer. Mm. But like time's flying by here is any like where, you know, and having the albums, but more importantly, having the audible thing where it was just on a bigger level and, mm for it to get almost 10,000 reviews and, mm. uh, and, and write up for writing, you know, like I was just very touched. I had similar feel. It goes back to, you know, I had similar, you know, personal, but universal. I mean, I didn't live the exact, I'm not from New Hampshire, but I know exactly what he was feeling when this happened or, um, and seeing those reviews, it's just, uh, I know there's certain people like I don't read reviews and stuff like that, but I've never had anything, you know what I mean? To get reviews. Yeah. So so it's it, and of course you're gonna get the the assholes you know this or that and I, you know this guy what is he crying or whatever I mean you know I'm not trying to get to 100 percent of the people I'm really not yeah um, but what I've learned is you know you're gonna have I mean especially online I mean you know you're gonna have your trolls but yes um, when I first started doing the moth Ethan my my whole thing was okay this is kind of like a bookish nerdy audience so I, no matter what I do. I mean, I'm kind of a nerd myself. I am a nerd. At least 35% of this room will get me. You mm. know what I mean? And that that helped me kind of go from the caricature I was to becoming more and more me, the person I'm talking to now, you know, on, on this podcast. Mm. But like, uh, but but even that, I'm like 35%, 30%. And then one night I, I told the story and I had like a genre of, you know, not getting a girl's stories and the jock gets the girl. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in doing that, you can kind of, you can kind of stick it to the jock. I mean, you know, you know, and, and so it was always fun, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the jock at the girl, he's a jerk. And then, you know, you get the laughs and this and that poor Adam. And after a show, like, um, 
this big guy came up to me at the bar and he's got, you know, you know, like, he looked like an ex football player, like my yeah. age. And he's like, I want to talk to you. I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> I'm going to be the first person to get beat up at a uh, storytelling show, you know? And uh, he goes, you know, I, I really, you know, your story. And I'm like, where is he going? Where is and he get, he kind of like stopped and stuttering. He's like, you know, I'm, I was the jock in your story. You know, I'm from, you know, I don't know where he was from, like uh, Dayton, Ohio. And, and mm. he's like going on. And I was, he goes, I was homecoming king. I was prom king. Um, you know, I got all the girls. And, and I'm like, where are you going with this? You know, in my head, I didn't say it to him. I was yeah, just smiling. Yeah. You know, okay. He goes, but like as insecure, he says to me, he goes, as insecure as you thought you were and as much of a dork. He goes, your insecurities, this and that. He goes, I was like a million times more insecure than you ever thought you were in high school. Hmm. And he's like, you know, he goes, he goes, he goes, I, you know, he goes, I was gay. Everybody didn't know. I'm going out with everybody. Everybody thinks I'm this person that I'm not. Hmm. Um, and, and all of a sudden, and he, he's crying. I'm crying. I hugged the guy. We're talking. I bought him a drink. Hmm. And, and, you know, he, he's just telling me all these stories of his life. And, it's like, wow. And he's like, I wish I had a friend like you in high school. And it was, it was a mm. very emotional thing for me. And, mm. and immediately that changed my whole concept where it was like 35% of these audience. It's like, it's about 98, 97, 98% that mm. can identify with my stories. Mm. You know what I mean? If, and if you're open and you're honest, um, you're going to get to a lot of people. You're going to get to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, like I said, you're going to get that 3% of haters, but I mean, you know, I think that's healthy too. I mean, you know, really, do you yeah. want to, does every, do you want everybody to think your stuff is great? I, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I mean, I got to do my own thing here. I, I don't want to placate to that 3%. You know? Yeah. Well, that's a huge shift to yeah, yeah. perspective. And, and did were you able to like, like, I imagine as you embrace that belief and perform with that belief, did you see a shift? It gave me a lot more confidence. It gave yeah. me a lot more confidence. And it goes back to the guy with his arms folded. It's like, wait a minute. Like, like this is, this is not like, this is, this is all you, this is all in your head. This is yeah. all in your head. And, and so just the confidence, you know, you're talking about, you know, I'm not talking about a football player going out to, you know, we're going to kick some ass. I'm talking about like, no, like I'm going to be able, like, if I'm open and I'm honest and I can tell a good story, I'm mm. going to connect to a lot of people here, like the human element. I'm going to connect to people, you know, mm. and, 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 and also knowing that some people that might be, and it's happened, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to show my emotions. So this guy almost, I'm a little bothered, but they, they, they have an emotion towards this stuff. Yeah. And it might be like, Ooh, Oh, you know, how because, but it's not, it's, it's not a person. It's, it's, it is more about them than it is about you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, I would you're, never you're connecting them to them to some truth in, in their own life. Oh yeah. And, and a lot, and of, a lot that, of us spend time <laughs> as much time as we can running from that. Right. Yeah. 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 So going to the moth may not be the way to avoid. No. no. Avoid and I mean, you know, I mean, my, my audible thing is if you're an audible plus member, you know, you, you get it for free. It's a free, it's a, it's a free download now. So mm. you're getting different reviews. So it's like, oh, this this seems, you know, this, what is it? it? Must be like a comedy thing. Humor. He's won these things. Well, listen to it. And then you know, again, it might it might strike the strike a nerve, but it stays with them. I mean, maybe that's an important thing too. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll maybe down the road by listening to that, 
maybe they'll show a little more empathy than they have in the past towards somebody. And and maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) You know, that was, that was one of the things that, you know, I went into when I was looking you up, you know, because that label comedian was one of the top labels next to your name. Right. And then there's what you perform. And so I'm, I'm curious what, what the label comedian means to you, like maybe globally and what it means to you as far as your own art. Yeah. I mean, for me, I I like to have some optimism and some humor to my stories. I think Mm -hmm. for me, I think as the years have gone, in these stories and these presentations, like having some type of balance, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think for more of it, and and I think the best comedy, the best comedy has a balance, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And 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 the comedy that has has stuck around for a long time has some type of balance. If it's mm-hmm. just all joke, 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 you know, that that's not. But but so I think being a humorous or being a comedian, I I I, I don't mind that label at all. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, because like I I I don't want to be the person that has a boulder on my shoulder and gives the boulder to the audience and walks off stage. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want that. You know, because that is that is associated with humor too, with the comedy scene, right? There are there's lighthearted and there is the boulder. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think just having having a little bit of both. My toughest problem was you know when friends are introducing me. I mean, especially you know the bar scene in my late twenties and early thirties. It's like. Yeah, my friend's a comedian, and then the you know the girl, pretty girl, will be like, you know, tell me a joke. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah. You got five minutes. I can tell you five minutes. Uh, you know, they don't they. And on a Friday night in a crowded bar when it's loud, they, they don't have five minutes to hear a story about your your grandmother. You know what I mean? Or, or want, maybe even want to hear that. And, yeah. Um, I went down that road too many times, and and not 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 good. <laughs> not good. So, so I yeah. Yeah, we're running out of time, but it, it raises a good point, right? There's, I guess, there's different forms and lengths and styles of comedy, and they're all wildly different, right? And, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and I know, especially when it comes to selling your work, right? Mm-hmm. That comedy itself as a label is perhaps not the most effective label for selling your work, because then you're competing against people who have different intentions or different moods and oh yeah yeah and sense I mean, sensibilities I mean, and check, check the reviews of the album like well, this guy is supposed to be a comedian i mean i didn't laugh once i mean it's yeah just like you know and, and then other and then but then other people will write what which 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 are the ones i'm proudest of is like you know i found myself crying and then five minutes later i was like crying from laughter you know what yeah. I mean? so it's like you know hey i'll take that you know what i mean so that's it's, great um, yeah well we're in the midst of COVID still and doing rocking that and rocking 2021. And like, how are you, how, how, how are you doing in your relationship with your creativity right now? I'm doing all right. I just think it, it's, it's, it's really about having a daily, like what I'm doing all day long, breaking it down, breaking it down. And sometimes it's take a walk, take a nap. You know, mm. I mean, you know, watch an hour of TV, um, you know, doing a podcast. But I think by by doing that and then, you know, it's structured where it's like, you know, right in the morning, two hours, right in the morning, late afternoon. You know, the, the times that you can do it, you know, shutting off, you know, making sure. And it's not easy. It's not a shutting off the Internet or shutting off your phone. 
Mm. Um, you know, my phone's off right now. You know what I mean? No matter, yeah. I mean the internet's on with you, but the phone's off. And it's yeah. just, you know, having, it's, it's all about the focus. And it's, you know, and again, I, I'm, I'm with anybody else reading, you know, the, you know, self-help books and doing meditation and stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm into it all, but mm. it's it just you, trying to keep your focus, trying to keep your focus. Um, yeah. Sounds like it's a f- important foundation of your, of your work. Yeah. 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 And, and looking back at a lot of it, you know, I always say like my stories continue to evolve. So, I mean, you know, there might be a story that I haven't done and, you know, worked on in 10, 10 years now. I mean, that's, what's the great thing with a long, longer career is that you look back at it and you're like, okay, what does this mean to me now? And yeah. some of it's like, it doesn't mean anything. And they're like, wait, no, that kind of connects to what I'm experiencing. You know, I, I mean, while I'm working on this thing now and I'll just be quick, but it's like, you know, it, it was the story that was, you know, about a first, you know, when I was little and ex- mm. experienced with the song and this and that and how, how does that song relate now? And it's like, I don't it doesn't really relate. And then the, the more you think about it, you look at the lyrics, it's amazing how it's, it's, it, it connects and it becomes, it becomes something else, mm. it becomes something else. Mm. Well, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's why I strive for. I mean, the stories continue to evolve because I'm continuing to. Now, a lot of my stories are going to reflect how this past year was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, how can it not? How can it not? You know, I'm not the same person I was prior to COVID. You know what I mean? I'm not. You know? Yeah. Uh, so. Well, what's what's ahead for you? Um, right now, continue writing. Um, I'm, I'm working on a new project right now. Um, feeling good about it. Uh, we'll see what format it's going to be. Uh, but I got Final Cut Pro. That was one of my things, and that's one of my things each day. And it's almost like an instrument. Um, and I, I haven't done a lot of film editing since, you know, probably in about 15 years. Mm. Getting the Final Cut on the computer and just working on that every day. You know, I, I did like a little documentary for my church. Um, I'm Greek Orthodox in, in New Hampshire. And we did a mm. thing based on like these old VHS tapes we had of our like uh, annual festival with older people. And it ended up blowing up in our mm. community in the sense, I mean, it got like 500 hits. But what was great about it was like, all these people, you know, there were interviews of these old, older Greek, uh, you know, Greek people from my community that were working on this, this, you know, whether it's sewing shirts or, um, you know, making uh, lamb and baklava. Yeah. All of that on now. I mean, that was that was, it was like 23 years ago. Those tapes and I kind of made together this this little film and it touched a lot of people in that community because all those people aren't here anymore. So mm. just doing little creative things like that, knowing that everybody in the world is not going to enjoy this, but I know there's a small community that are really, I mean, I got a letter from the president of the church and it was like the nicest, you know, um, it was the nicest he said, like, you know, you really, we haven't, we weren't able to do our festival this year Mm. and you know, your little, you know, and I made it story format. I mean, you know, that that helps with the years. He said it really touched a lot of people in our community. We needed this Mm. right now. So that made me feel that, you know, to be creative, on a small scale too. So I'm not um, dismissing anything like that too. So it's small is big. Uh, small is big. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that keyword balance yeah. applies there as well. Totally. Yeah. Well, for people who want to learn more about you, I know you gave a plug, but you know, this is a chance to give another one. How can people find you? 
Yeah, you know, adamwade.com, and if you're on YouTube, I have that video of the, of the uh, church festival, but a lot of my stories and stuff, it's, it would be youtube.com slash adamwadestoryteller. And I, okay. I've been working on that page, making it as simple as possible. And my album, The Human Comedy, is free streaming on YouTube now. And that's, um, it's, 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 it's a good one. It's a good one. That's the, the New Yorker wrote about that. They did a profile on me based Sweet. on that my album. So. So you can get that for free on YouTube. Get that for free, yeah. Sweet. Ad-supported or not ad-supported, depending on your YouTube membership. (laughs) Yeah. And you have a website as well. Yeah, adamwade.com. Adamwade.com, yeah, please. Yeah. working on that, too, so. Cool. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Ethan. I really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.